Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, and the host of Friend of a Friend, a show where we get to sit down with some of my friends, your friends, and new friends to host inspiring conversations about building something from the ground up. It is the first Monday of the month, happy August, and you all know what that means. There's another episode today with the one and only, my best friend, Joe Holder. This week, we talked about so many topics from where we're at in quarantine, some of our lifestyle tips from new routines to wellness hacks, what Joe's been learning from his new therapist, and we answer all your questions from Instagram. So make sure to stick around to the end. Thank you to everybody who submitted those questions. There were so many good ones, and they were really fun to answer this time around. So thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, don't forget to leave us a review on the podcast page and head to my Instagram every Thursday for a recap of this week's episode in our mini series, The Friendly Files. Here's my friend, Joe Holder. How are you? What's going on? Working, working like a dog, bit by bit. What's New York life? How's quote unquote quarantine been? What's going on over there? New York is fine. Everything's kind of opened back up. People wear masks. People are social distancing, but being outside, being respectful. I mean, I think we got it early. So you got to live your life to an extent, but you just can't be an asshole about it, which I think New Yorkers, due to trials and tribulations we've experienced, understand that. I don't think they're some other parts of the country do. There are so many people that I go on Instagram and see and they're doing their thing. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, am I the only one still quarantining? Yeah, I mean, you can still get out of your house, but not. There was a nice Twitter exchange that Joe had where someone was like, am I the only one that like hasn't seen like the light of day in a couple of months? And then said like she was responding to something of someone like out and partying. And Joe was like, there's a middle ground. Yeah, that's the thing. Like everybody's just like, no, or everybody's like, Stay in the house. I'm like, it's not how it, it works. Right. So I don't know. We don't really trust each other, let alone science anymore, let alone our governmental bodies. So it's very disconcerting and confusing. I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing anymore. I'm staying home, I'm wearing a mask, but like it's very concerning. There's no like game plan. I have been starting out the show in a new way in an effort to let my guests get a little off their chest. So usually I pose the hypothetical question of, Assume we're best friends, but we are best friends. So we're best friends. What's on your mind this week? I'm really just focused on doing my work. I have the thought process that as much as you want to help, if you have a small slice of bread, you can't hand any out. So I'm just worried about making sure that I take care of what I can take care of. 
So I'm sure as people who know me say I can help more people, but also just fully, I'm invested in learning. I'm investing in learning. I'm invested in defeating this culture of ignorance. I'm invested in keep reading, keep listening, podcasts, books, stuff I agree with, stuff I disagree with. That's really what's on my mind this week is defeating a culture of ignorance. And, and I'm just doing the time to read a little bit every day, do my work a little, a little bit every day and really just be invested in the long game, but also understand the urgency of the short-term moment. So that's all that's really on my mind. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm going to just keep moving, keep trying to get above the fluff. You do a really good job of sharing that. And I feel like I, when I put the Q&A on Instagram for this episode, the amount of questions that I got of how curious people are about like our day-to-day and what we consume per se on a daily basis. Joe and I decided that, well, it was actually Joe's idea. I'll give Joe the credit. To do this episode a little bit differently and kind of dive into those things of like what we're paying attention to, what are the things that are like keeping us healthy and sane during this time and forever. We're going to dive into that a little bit today. So what's a routine that you are doing every day that is very simple, but is like kind of like a totem for your day? Great question. I guess this probably ties in with the question I'm always getting. I'm sure you got it's like ties in, I guess, what I'm reading a little bit. So I've been reading Essentialism by George McKinnon. So I'm just thinking of routines that are better able to anchor my day, kind of the general power, I guess, of small habits. But for me, it's taking a breather and not checking my phone immediately in the morning. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to breathe for, meditate for five minutes and do some light kind of movement or reading and then do my work. And then I know at lunch, I got to take a break. I'm not going to be able to keep going through. And then I just try to segment my day, I guess, with idle moments, which kind of help me. And since I have a decent amount of things to do, also help break up my day. So that really keeps me going. And I try to get a little bit of time in nature, even if it's just short. But I've been doing this runs too, which I guess has helped break. Actually, hasn't helped my day at all. It's just an add-on to it. But it's been fun. But yeah, so for me, like breathing, just breathing moments, like laying on the couch for five minutes in the middle of the day because I know I need to recenter myself, like having some water, putting the phone down just sitting and listening to the sounds around me, like just kind of getting back in my body has been super helpful for me. Yeah, again, I know we talked about this on the last episode. It's like carving out the time to just like think and sit and not be inundated by like the news and what's on our phone and like all the things people are talking about. That's been super helpful for me too. I need to do it more. Like I need to go on walks more. I just got a bike. I'm super yes, excited about which it. Which is crazy, which I would love to see. I appreciate you saying it's crazy because everyone else is like, cool, you got a bike. But like Joe knows that it's like crazy that I got a bike. <laughs> yeah, it's super surprising. The one time that I've ever really been on a bike was that incredible day that you <laughs> and I had. That is one of my top favorite best friend days ever where we were hanging out at Soho House, I think, in the West Village. We decided to get city bikes and we biked all the way down from the West Village down into Financial District, like all along the side on the West Side Highway of Manhattan. Joe made me bike through the tunnel. <laughs> no, we went over the bridge. Oh yeah, we went over the bridge. Sorry. Okay, you know what? Everyone, <laughs> chill out. You made me hike up like those crazy streets in Fidei. Like remember through and I was like, Joe, I yeah, can't yeah, do yeah, this. Right. And you were like, oh my God. This is so you were so sad weird. about something. I remember why. So we went on a bike route. Oh, I remember why. We won't talk about why. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's why we went on that bike ride. Joe's my, <laughs> Joe's my therapist. I was sad about a boy and I was having a hard time. So he was like, let's go on a bike ride. It was great. <laughs> of course, he like makes me work out when I'm sad. Simple things. Simple things, guys. The simple, simple things. Speaking of simple things, let's talk about this like ginger tea that you make every day because I feel like everybody wants, <laughs> I want to know what it is because every morning I wake up, this is a, a K-God, Kirsty God, so hack. I have lemon and manuka honey in the morning and it helps with my skin a lot. It helps me like feel 
detoxed and great. Like all my sins from the day before are gone when I have my lemon water and Maruka honey. And I know that you have something that's really similar that is infamous and people love. So tell us about it. Yeah. I mean, first off, uh, just for the sake of, let's dispel a little bit the myth. Don't dispel my myth. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what I'm talking. That's not the question I asked you. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it probably helps. Probably hydrates you a little bit. A little sugar in the morning can be helpful. No, wait, Um, what? You know I'm not supposed to do that, yeah. but I have a blood sugar thing. Yeah, I know, but you're not eating. You're not putting fucking sugar to the face in <laughs> drinking granulated sugar. Which we all know I've done before. I love Sour Patch, so we all know I've done that. First they're sour, then they're sweet. <laughs> yeah, the ginger tea thing. I mean, basically, yeah, that came up with a concoction kind of at the beginning of quarantine just for people to keep their immunity up. But there's some certain components within ginger that are typically helpful that kind of when you get them in a powder form, I believe it's ginger oils, but there's another one that's escaping me right now. When you get them in powder form, it's kind of a little bit more uh, efficacious. So basically, this is two grams of ginger powder every day, kind of at night to help with my to help with my digestion and ease me into sleep. Again, everything's usually about rituals, but there's some research that shows like, you know, about a month worth of that once a day. So as it is, you can't put it in too hot of water. So what I do basically is get warm water. I put a tea bag in there, typically a calming tea. So like, or one good for the liver. So typically like dandelion, chamomile, or passion flower. Let that steep, probably steeps for, you know, 10 to 20 minutes. So it cools down a little bit. Then put in the ginger, stir that up. Then maybe I'll put in a little bit of lemon balm or valerian root just to calm the nervous system a little bit, get ready for sleep. And it helps my stomach a lot. So my thing is, is like try to not eat too late, which sometimes can be hard, but always, you know, have that at the end of the day. Then in the morning, uh, chill out, allow, allow my digestive system to kind of catch up with itself. And I've, and I've seen pushing my first meal a little bit later, pushing my last meal a little bit earlier and really focusing on digestion and beginning at the end of the day goes a long way. And then sometimes it helps you and allows you to eat things that, you know, shouldn't eat, I guess, that aren't like that. He's talking to me right now. <laughs> yeah, but just morning and evening. Take care of yourself. I have been. I'm still on a smoothie kick, which I'm really like loving. You have a Vitamix, right? Yeah, so I have a Vitamix. Let's talk about your almond thing, your milk. Oh my God. Let's talk they about it. sponsor a pot because it looks so cool. They should just sponsor everything I do because number one, I think I got literally like 300 people to buy it. Not even kidding. <laughs> and the amount of people that are hitting me up daily about it is insane. Yeah, shout out Almond Cow Joe needs one. Okay, so first off, I want to talk about the smoothie thing. Alex and I have been doing smoothies for breakfast and dinner Monday through Friday. It has helped me so much just feel consistently full throughout the day. And I'm a huge fan of just like having the smoothie for dinner and not going to bed full. I feel like I'm sleeping so much better and I'm waking up super sharp in the morning because I'm not like digesting this crazy meal. And then when it comes to lunch, like I've been forced myself to like spend an hour actually making my lunch and like taking a break from my laptop and like enjoying making the food. And like, that's been a totally new thing for me. That's like totally helped the way I feel and the way I've been eating, especially in quarantine where like, we're kind of home all day. It sounds great. I mean, you raised a good point about lunch, which I think a lot of people sleep on It's for a lot of people, even before you overwhelmingly try to change your diet, I would say just be more relaxed when you eat and notice what that does to your digestion. I think there's going to be a big, a little bit of a bigger problem where everybody's so hyper vigilant about what they eat. They're worried when they eat. 
And it often creates a bigger issue than it needs to be. We put like spinach, blueberries, almond milk, this amazing powder that Joe told me about, Epic Protein, and some avocado. And it's like the best thing ever. And I feel great. And I've turned a lot of my friends onto it and they feel great too. So something to try during the work week for sure. If you are kind of tired of cooking and doing dishes, which I'm sure we all are and want to feel a little bit lighter. But the almond cow, I feel like a cordon bleu chef lately. I really got to buy one, but I need like a real place I guess. So Joe actually freaked me out, like I'd say like a month and a half ago when he was posting a lot about what's actually in almond milk and like market bought almond milk. There's like all of these crazy things in there that like don't need to be there. You should tell people about the food waste, about what you're doing with the almond milk, you're like making cookies and stuff. I am. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. Also, it's just like a fun thing that I've been doing in quarantine that like makes me excited. My friends like them and they come over and eat them. And, you know, I give little socially distanced jars or to our families and stuff like that. But yeah, so essentially what it is is you can make your own nut milk at home. It's called the almond cow. It takes under a minute, literally. And it actually, what I actually like about this is it doesn't take that many almonds to make like half a jug of the almond milk. So like I would say it takes maybe like half a cup of almonds and you have, so like you'll need a full cup to make a full jug. But I do it every like three days and... There are a ton of recipes on the Almond Cow website and you can like to make literally anything. Can you use any nut? Yeah. So like their whole website is like peanuts, hazelnuts, like pecans, like ev- everything, literally everything. But the cool part about it is like we talk a lot about, and Joe's talked about this a lot, is like the waste that comes with making almond milk is like you have literally the shred up almonds, which is really hard to break down. And that's why it's kind of bad for the environment too. And I've been making cookies out of it. Or I made banana bread yesterday. I made granola on Monday. They have literally like an entire website of tons and tons and tons of recipes that you can use instead of just like throwing away the waste from it. So highly recommend, really, really fun. DM me if you want my cookie recipe. Hey, LA listeners. I have a really exciting promotion for all of you today from my go-to dispensary in LA, Sweet Flower. Sweet Flower is a curated cannabis boutique here in Los Angeles with four locations, Studio City, Melrose, Arts District, and Westwood. They offer a full menu delivery throughout Los Angeles with everything from edibles to joints to tinctures and topicals. What I love about Sweet Flower is that their mission is to set a whole new standard for modern cannabis retail that is inclusive, diverse, and approachable for everybody. So whether you're canna curious or flower fluent, Sweet Flower has the bouquet that's right for you. I am definitely no expert in the cannabis space, but I love Sweet Flower for their custom-created kits. To take the guesswork out of consuming cannabis, Sweet Flower has created kits based on how you want to feel. So whether you want to drift off to sleep, soothe tired muscles, or even just have a little fun, there's a kit that's right for you. They make it so easy to get some of my favorite things, like Kiva's Camino gummies. I am so obsessed with the midnight blueberry flavor. It's really helped me sleep during quarantine. Tabriz's citrus CBD mint that helps with any stress or anxiety. Plus, Sweet Flower created a give back kit with 100% of proceeds donated to the Black Cooperative Investment Fund and Equity First Alliance. When you're checking out, make sure to use code FOF15 for 15% off your first delivery at sweetflower.com. That's S-W-E-E-T-F-L-O-W-E-R.com. Have fun. Hi, this is Deborah Messing. And I am Andana Dayani. We decided to create a podcast to introduce you to the people who inspire us most. These are the dissenters. The people who just made a decision one day to break down the establishment and build a new one. In the greatest times of grief or even the most ordinary of circumstances, many heroes will rise. You just have to take that first step. 
So please tune in this May for our premiere episode and catch a new episode every Wednesday. We can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. There are heroes everywhere. Discover them. Become one. Hey, take care of yourself. That's what everybody should be doing in quarantine. That's what the U.S. government should have had everybody do on a wellness plan. Speaking of that, I'm pissed off in the stimulus package that the GOP gave that they didn't give any food benefits of US, of EBT, food stamps, essentially, to millions of unemployed. It wasn't even included. And that's something that we need to, that is just messed up. Because at the end of the day, it's like you can't just feed individuals. And it provides economic stimulus anyway. Snap money goes back to the economy. For every $5, it's about $9, apparently, at least for 2012, into the economy. And it's just like, what? Like, what is going on? Why can't we take care of each other? Last episode, we talked a lot about your initiative, Intergenerational Health. And I wonder how the GOP bill has made you think about anything different within that or, you know, something you want to improve on. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, when you just look at health, it's like, what are you doing for the healthier population, right? So it's that if you are a pro whatever, GOP typically likes to call themselves a pro-business party. If you're a pro-business, then you know that like a healthy nation will automatically create a stimulus. So just looking at it from food access and food justice, it was a little bit of like disconcerting and, and kind of jarring that they wouldn't look to extend food benefits for both kids and for adults. You know, in July, 26 million people we're saying that they didn't know how they're going to eat week to week. You know, one in four families from low-income families face food insecurity, which is higher minority groups. It's just crazy. Like, it's just it, it's just exceedingly confusing. One of the questions that I got are essentially like, what do I, how am I going to try to make intergenerational health bigger? And I think a lot of it first is just with awareness with these four key subjects. It was really cool to see so many people get invested in what you were talking about. Yeah, it just definitely led to some additional opportunities in terms of uh, social impact with some bigger players in the game and continuing to move that way. I mean, a lot of people think whatever, quote unquote, the revolution will not be funded. But my thought process is this. You got people screaming, you know, tear down capitalism or whatever that benefit from it. And it's also a man-made creation. So I also also find it very interesting when people are saying, fuck capitalism or whatever. And I'm not saying it's, it's the greatest thing out there, the way that we make it, but then they're asking for donations. So you are, you want me to give you the thing that is fueling capitalism, which is money. And you essentially you're asking the poor to donate the poor to take care of each other. Instead of being like, okay, hold up, wait a minute. Like, how do we make our money go further? Does it necessarily 100%. need to come? Does it need to come from people who are donating? Can we get other people who have the means to actually donate? Is there a way to improve, you know, the, the bureaucracy to make things happen. Because at the end of the day, I know, I don't know, like this is the shit that eats me up. It's like, I know that it feels great, but at the end of the day, 26 million people are hungry through no fault of their own. So uh, yes, like feed the 400 families in your, in your neighborhood, but it's like, hold up. Should probably figure out a way where I don't have to grassroots crowdsource for an extended period of time just to simply feed people. And there's a greater responsibility that we need to figure out how to get that made. So. That's the core component of intergenerational health. I think it's just figuring out who you can work with to make a big dent without completely delaying uh, the process. So it's like the way to end hunger is through economic justice, plain and simple. And we need, we have to hold companies accountable, but you also have to realize like for better or for worse, they are also 
part of your life. So I just think we need to have real conversations about this stuff instead of just kind of low-hanging fruit talking You points. are reading and watching things that are different than things you agree with. I feel like if I did that, that would cause me a lot of anger issues. <laughs> it's important though, because you may be wrong. I know, maybe, but, but you also know. understand how to vamp your argument. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, have, or you know, may be right. I don't think you give airtime and all that stuff, but I don't know. I think you need to be aware. I'm trying to be aware as much as I can. I'm trying to be knowledgeable in certain areas, but aware of more. Just trying to do my best, best with that. But I've gotten arguments with friends who like I agree with in basis, but I then challenge them about, okay, like what is this movement exactly believe? What are they thinking? What are their goals? Like, what is this? Is that? And they get mad at me because they think I'm not down for the cause because I'm asking them critical questions. I'm like, I'm holding you accountable because I'm trying to fully understand what it is that is actually occurring. And that's just what's sad. Like emotion doesn't win. It can galvanize people to do better, but emotion doesn't ultimately win. And you got to move past emotion to, I think, logic. Talk to us a little bit about the 5K challenge that you're doing. 5K challenge was essentially, I wanted to just get people, you know, exercise, snacks, vibes, just moving more. So the 5K challenge was basically, can you run? Can you try to run a 5K, walk and run every day for the month of July? Because I had been challenged to run through the Nike running app. One of their challenges was 100K for the month. So basically about 60 miles or so. My thing was previously, I had not hit any of the other benchmarks because I wasn't consistent. It just seemed too high, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to break this down a little bit. So what if I did 5K a day and encourage people to move, not think of it as 100K, but just simply let me try to get 5K in every day in some capacity. I just recorded a video of me running and then just like invited people to do it with me, but people actually started to do it. So I just kind of, you know. Um, yeah, it like went totally viral. Like there are people like on the other <laughs> side of the globe. I literally opened up your Instagram and saw like your repost and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> like just got people running around the world, this crazy man. They move in a movement, but it's essentially, look, small things add up, like nothing changes until it does. And then you notice how you feel both good and bad when you put in the necessary work. And then you can build not upon how you think you'll feel, but what you've actually done and keep it moving. So some people have run more than they've ever run. Some people have understood uh, the entry point into running and just the different aspects of it. And it's bigger than just jogging. So my thing is, I just want to make it, try to make things as simple as possible for people to get involved. I just want people to get involved. I want people to feel part of a community. And that's what the 5K Challenge is about. You know, it's not about fucking doing a handstand, walking on a handstand down, you know, the block. It's like, yo, I challenge you to just, Go either walk or run three miles a day for the rest of the month as you see fit. Nothing more, nothing less. So let's do it. Let's do it together. I mean, I'm not going to be corny, but like the run that we did in San Francisco with Dyson and I was like running with everybody. I was really far behind, yeah. but I did the it's whole so good, thing. Though. I felt great about it. There are so many cute photos of me being like, look at me. Yeah, I was like, wow, live out really out here running. It was a huge deal, but it was a great thing. I hope that we can do that again soon. Joe, are you wearing a tracksuit right now? Tracksuit? It's like a little zip-up. Are you wearing a zip-up with no shirt on underneath? Always, baby. Joe, like, you belong in Florida right now. My issue is I don't like short sleeves. I like long sleeve hoodies or no shirt. I see you in short sleeves all the time. Not all the time, but like Joe, our sometimes. SOS shirt is is a short sleeve. <sighs> Remember when we went the garden? 
I had the short sleeve on over a hoodie. Oh my God. Yeah, that was so weird. That was a weird styling choice, but I appreciate, you know, I respected it. Gardening. Oh my God. I know. You've been growing tomatoes. I grew tomatoes, lemons, little gems, cucumbers, artichoke. I miss strawberries. I'm very excited about it. Remember guys, a way to get more lycopene out of your tomatoes is to slightly cook them or stew them. I will unlock this very important nutrient. So that is your daily tip. Thank you for coming to Joe's TED Talk about tomatoes. Speaking of TED Talks. Apples soon. Oh my God. Tell us about apples. I'm sorry, guys. I just freaked out. I'm I'm sure that was really loud. Joe texts me. Joe texts me literally at like 11 o'clock last night, which is like 2 (laughs) a.m. New York time. And he's like, did you know that we've been eating apples all wrong all along? And I was like, what the fuck is this man on? Essentially, apples. So what I like to do where I research what it is that I'm eating and what it's good for. And I basically have stumbled upon the concept of bacteria in the apples are actually very important because one of the things that gets to apples through they kind of act like a pseudo probiotic where they act they're able to pass through enough your digestive tract and can help feed the healthy bacteria, but at the same time like colonize essentially your digestive system. Long story short. When they did a study on the apple, they found that most, a lot of the beneficial bacteria was in the core, not the seeds, it's a different part, but the core. But I always found interesting, even before I realized that, was that if you chop an apple into fours, you eat the whole apple. But if you just eat an apple whole uh, horizontally, you have the core. So that's about 20 to 30% of the apple that's left. And a lot of people just throw it away, don't even compost it. So long story short, my thing was, was like, We've been eating apples all wrong. If you cut it, you can eat the core, so you get more of the health benefits. Or if you just take the stem out, you can also just, you'll look like a madman this way, but you just eat it vertically. You just eat from the top down. Joe, you're like asking me to like learn how to walk again. But anyway, we've been eating apples all wrong. Unless you're a texture person like Olivia, apparently. Oh my God, he got mad at me because he's, I said last night because I said I don't like the texture of the core of the apple. I was like, what? You know what I'm talking about. It's like, it tastes like biting into plastic. You're very particular about that. Apparently so. Um, okay, but the more you know, everybody try eating an apple vertically for the next month until next episode. Let us know your thoughts. Or just cut it. Okay, or just cut it. Just try something new. Speaking of something new, Joe, tell us about this new thing that you're doing that feels really good and is great. I've started therapy, which is great. But in addition to that, I picked up this book. I was talking about the therapy thing, but yeah, go for it. Oh, are you talking about therapy? Oh, okay. I'm just, I'm really proud of you. I am. I'm going to get really corny as your best friend, but like... telling me to take therapy for years. For literally years. But you know what? I know that it's like a really... It's a challenging step to take. It takes time. It takes effort. There's a financial situation to it. There's a lot to it. And like sitting with a complete stranger and opening up. So I'm just really proud of you for getting into it, especially now when things are really hard. So yeah, I love you. And I I hope that that it helps. Oh, very sweet. I mean, you know, when you balance a lot, when there's a lot going on in the world, there's a lot going on in personal life, there's a lot that's happened in one's life. Um, it's the same as just kind of like going to the gym and meeting with your personal trainer or, or meeting Amen. with your app or whomever. It's emotional fitness. And I think that's very important, mental fitness as well. And especially within, you know, the black community, community worldwide in general, it's that we need to be more real with how we treat our minds and what happens to it on the day to day. So yeah, I just uh, really made the leap, did some research, found a therapist that thought would work for me. And I look at it really as having a, an accountability partner to have somebody that makes me do the things that I know that I should be doing or help me do those things and reframe them in a way that's better for me. And then if there is, of course, any greater underlying issues, I'll go from there. But most of it seems to be a product of my environment and working through that. But the homework that I have this week, which you 
next two weeks, which you probably see me do, but it's really, I've just found a lot of benefit in scheduling out my day, like making checklists, putting time slots for things, really digging into the concept, which I've previously found benefit in is treating life like a class. So setting up my class schedule, which allows me to get more done because there's a lot that I often have to get done in a day when I write down or say what I've done in a day. Even when I'm talking with my friends, sometimes they're like, yeah, you had a pretty busy day. And it's important to, you know, make a structure for success to be able to get those done. And if you can't, that's where I mess up. It frazzles me. It, it's like, it just seems like everything's out of your control when there's actually a lot of things that are. And then if you kind of go bit by bit by bit, you know, connecting it back to essentialism, the power of habit. You really, uh, it's like the snowball effect where you pay off your lowest debts first, which are the, either the, you know, typically the easiest, or you try to do the hardest thing first in the morning. But as you schedule it in, it can make you feel a lot better. So that's what I've been talking about my therapist. I love that. I started doing that about a year ago because I got really overwhelmed by being a person who works for herself and not having support or, you know, even just like a sounding board or even like a schedule in the office. And it's been a game changer for me. Like I always tell people, if you work alone, schedule meetings with yourself and do it the same way you would schedule meetings with other people. It's really been the biggest game changer in terms of staying focused, not feeling overwhelmed by the amount of work that I have in a day and being able to like hold myself accountable to like getting things done at a certain time. Or understanding what actually you think you can do versus what you really can do and then being kind to yourself. You said something to me once that was so good where you were like, you, we have to start being realistic about what we can actually get done in a day. And the minute that you figure out that equation for yourself, like if you're someone who works on your own, it's the next step to success. Like it took me a couple of weeks to figure out like, okay, like with the amount that you can focus and like the other things and like that are going on in life, like especially in quarantine when I'm like distracted by the kitchen and like other things in the house, it's like what's actually feasible that, of the amount of work that you can get done in a day and then set that standard for yourself in preparing your to-do list so that when you wake up, you're like, okay, this is actually manageable and I'm not stressed out. Well, yeah, you don't go into a situation of distress. You just, and like, I know a lot of people may not be working right now, like take, even taking success out of it for a second. It just allows you the ability to be more comfortable in yourself and dictate your order of life as with whatever you can control right now. So even if you're not working, you know, you have to set up a schedule for work. It's like, I've had this conversation with some friends. It's like schedule to set up for yourself. Because at the end of the day, you know, God willing or whatever you believe in willing, the situation turns itself around. But don't not take this opportunity to use this time to at least for some way work on yourself, work on a hobby, work on a craft. It's like, you know, you can schedule also work on you. You don't have to schedule work on like a project, like schedule work on you. Like you're your most important project. So the scheduling situation could definitely be beneficial. Last question on the therapy front, because I feel like I've had so many friends dealing with this right now and are wanting to seek therapy for the first time ever. What was the biggest tip or piece of advice that you would have for finding the right therapist? Because I feel like it's like dating. You do it a lot until you find the right person. That's a good fit for you. And I know you, uh, like, I really do. I think it's like dating. Like you find, you got to do it a couple of times. Like it's not all going to be the person that. done it more than a couple. All right. Okay, Joe. <laughs> what helped you to find the right therapist? You know, it's still a process, but there are some websites online that basically have databases of therapists that you could pick the attributes that you want. So for oh, cool. me, I wanted a, a woman therapist that is either African-American or a Buddhist, typically is the CBT or behavioral therapy or something like that. And then try it out. A lot of the times you can schedule like 
free brief sessions, free check-ins. Like you don't immediately have to start paying when you go to therapy. Typically you have like 15 minute testers. There's a lot on the internet. Again, there's a lot of ways. Some have sliding scales. So if you can't afford it completely, uh, you could pay a little bit less. Yeah, I had a therapist once make me pay a ridiculous amount for a tester and I never went back. Okay, guys, lots of Q&As this week from Instagram. Holy moly, you guys are very curious. I love to see it. Let's dive in. Joe, you got some too that you didn't share with me. And now we have to do this back and forth thing. I'm just going to pull it up on his Instagram and like, you know, do it off the cuff, like typical Joe fashion. I will start with one. And this was my favorite question that was asked. If you could design cities better for health and well-being, what would you do? There's a few different things. There is a whole school of thought in this. Basically, one, I would try to have more biophilic cities. So I'm I'm a fan of biophilia and biophilic design, which is basically how do you integrate nature into either architecture or immersion into the environment of of the proximate environment at around individuals. You also have to make cities walkable. So I actually took a class in college about this randomly, but make cities walkable, make them safe, have easy access to park or recreation or green green spaces, create an environment that makes you want to do the proper choice. So make the elevator further away from the stairs. So you have to go say, go out of your way if you actually want to take the elevator instead of the stairs possible way to, you know, only have the stairs, only have an elevator on, you know, certain lower floors for people that are EV, either handicapped or need the elevator and have, have it be a situation where you just kind of have to take the stairs in certain scenarios and situations. So basically optimizing it for activity. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think you have to build healthy cities, but you also, you know, build healthy cities by, you know, making sure environmental regulations are there, making sure you're not polluting all that stuff. But Human behavior needs to be, I think, pushed to engage in these activities that seem simple, whether they're running paths, you know, whether it's free gyms, open, you know, park and gym centers, all that stuff. And then have it in the maps. Like, I think it would be cool, especially when you design it, is like you have either in the apps or you have the ability for apps to tell you that these specific things are near you. Like this park has a workout. This park has this. This park has that. Like Google should, they have, they integrate city bike stations. They should be able to tell you, you know, where a gym is. Next question. When are you both happiest? Happy to me sometimes that I'm trying to reconceive this, but a lot of the times it's just like a removal of dread. So sometimes I'm happy, not because I'm overly elated, but I'm doing something that doesn't bring me dread. And that may not be the healthiest answer. And you know what? Who cares? Life is in progress, but I, I'm often doing things that just allow me to do the thing that I'm doing instead of worrying about something else. So not like a complete flow state or immersion, but just simply that I'm doing something that like relinquishes the worries of something that I need to take care of or somebody, you know, emailing me, calling me, texting me, doing this. A lot of times that's reading, that's sitting in a garden. I just love sitting in a garden, you know, talking with friends that's, Sometimes it's laying down, you know, that sometimes for me that's working out and running. Other times it isn't. Yeah, it's those moments when I'm just engaged in activities that don't have any dread aspect to it. And a lot of the times that's just super simple things. Spending time with friends over a good meal, taking a break. I feel like I have like a very distinctive like time of day where I'm like at my optimal energy and like focus. I'm a big morning person. Like I love the hours before noon. I get my most work done. I'm really focused. I usually have like good, happy energy. I feel like I'm like usually a joyful, upbeat person in general. But I think in the morning, as Joe can attest to, because I bother the shit out of him, I'm very like in my body and very like in my elements. I think one, acknowledging that was really important being like, oh, like I am fully a morning person. But then being able to like 
put things in that time that like I know that make me happy. So like I'm in a good place while doing something that I love at the same time. And like that strategically feels good for me. So like whether it's like, and I think we talked about this earlier where it's like carving out the time to think and what you just said, whether it's like going on a walk, sitting in a garden, like even if it's just like getting in a shower where you can like have the time to think, like doing all those things in the morning when I know I'm happiest helped me a lot to like fully feel that amount of time. You want to go? Topic of conversation on foods. Interested to know more from your tweet regarding vegan isn't for everyone. Food absolutism is Joe's like least favorite thing in the world. Backstory on this is basically Women's Health put out an article on basically raw food vegans. And be honest, three super white women. Oh, this was such a spicy story. I loved it. <laughs> Starting so spicy. again. Point was that they were just, they took a dumb turn on their diets. Like they didn't really understand food, in my opinion. Basically doing it for followers. Took a strong stance on being a raw food vegan or whatever. And they realized it started to mess up, mess with some of their health. Because one, you know, typically most people can't handle just simply raw foods. Like fire and cooking is very important for humans and how it could make food more digestible. Uh, a lot of people can't handle overly dark leafy greens all the time. I don't think one way of eating is for everyone. I don't think everybody should be vegan. I don't think everybody should be carnivore or whatever. It's like people should have kind of a well-rounded omnivore experience that we need to break away from thinking, one, just because something works for us, that's what it means for everyone, or is that what's working now will always work long-term. Breaking away from this nutritional absolutism standpoint and instead looking at what will work for me in this time period for maximizing my health. And at the same time, how do I also fix that with my values for what I wanted to see in the world? So to make it more real, it's, okay, I can take a short-term raw food diet, maybe because I'm learning to chew my food, want a little bit more fiber. Maybe I'm trying to, quote unquote, um, get my digestion working a little bit more. But if it doesn't work for me, because sometimes plant fibers do overwhelm individuals, that doesn't mean you can't switch to eating meat because that also has important nutrients in it as well. So it's just having real conversations about the impact that food has on our body and the world and then not getting caught in these completely dogmatic states. People are like so extreme when it comes to these things. Like I even love what you've been posting about juicing where it's like it has its benefits. Like it doesn't need to have this like crazy like yeah, stigma. Like that whole thing is so weird to me because there are so many benefits to it. Humans think that like we have to go, if you're going vegan, like you're yeah. vegan for life. Or if you're juicing, you're juicing for like yeah. five days and you're not eating a single thing. And like, that's that. So it's like all these things are really good for you. And if you can combine them into your overall routine, like that's an amazing step. But like, it doesn't need to be that deep, guys. I actually don't know what this is. So I would love to hear you answer it. How do you combat the female athlete triad? Yeah, so the female athlete triad is essentially lose menstruation. I think you essentially have like low, too low body fat. And yeah, so the big thing is you're tired. So energy deficiency would also connect you to diet. You have low, low body fat, which typically, and also low bone density, and then also loss of menstruation. So Basically, if you are a high-level athlete in college or whatever, you should have your hormones checked in general. Yeah, I mean, so basically what happens is like you have an increased likelihood of stress fractures. You can have all fatigue, all that stuff. 
basically it's knowing when to push the body and knowing when to rest the body. So I am very particular with the amount of stress that I put any of my female clients under. This is more seen in runners. Most of my female clients will not experience this, but I do want to know, especially because I'm their models, if their menstruation is regular, high and how intense is their workouts? How much are they actually eating? Because what typically happens is, and it's very bizarre, sometimes you work out too hard, your appetite actually suppresses, so you want to eat less, you're not eating enough. And then if your body fat's already low, that creates the stressful response, which can lead to this. So you never want that to happen. A lot of it is essentially just being honest in the discussions with the athletes, but also just have, making sure that they're eating, making sure that they're resting, and uh, making sure that the workouts aren't too hard. So the big things are including no long-term calorie deficits, making sure that there's enough fat and especially protein in their diet if they are doing a slightly caloric deficit sleep, and then ebbing and flowing with the stress of the workouts. So not every workout has to be long-term high intensity. I don't think any workout for women, at least long-term, unless you're really preparing for something, you only need 20 to 30 minutes of, a high, of high intensity. But you can break that up in, inside a longer workout so you can still have a high-volume workout, right? So it's like, all right, I have, two, I have five minutes of some high intensity and go to 10 minutes of some lower intensity. I'll do that maybe four times, five times. So a 75-minute workout that still has under 30 minutes of high intensity. Instead of trying to crush someone, crush someone with this high-intensity work and thinking that'll go further longer, a lot of the times with women, it is low intensity. It's increasing the volume of the workouts that you're doing while decreasing or properly timing the amount of high-intensity workouts that you're doing, making your body be able to bounce back and be resilient from that stress so you're sleeping and eating well, having stress reduction strategies, mindfulness, whatever, and you'll typically see some great results. Great knowledge. Closing out the show with a new Tag of Friends series. Who is inspiring you right now that you want to hear from, that you think we should have on the show, and you want everybody else to hear from too? Super inspired by like social policy health right now. So I've been reading a little bit about Marshall Gantz and the work that he's done. You know, advocacy work, uh, John Carlos and, you know, the sprinter who had the stance at the 1968 Mexico City Olympics. So those are the people. I, I want to tag in the OGs. I want to tag in people that have been doing the work. I want to tag in the people that continue to teach me and teach us how to continue to make the progress forward. So we, you know, when we age, we continue to teach those. Thanks for coming on. This was really fun. Everybody listening, if you liked what you heard, leave us a review on the podcast page. Again, look out for our Q&As that go up on our Instagram about a week before these episodes come out. And if you have questions or topics, themes you want us to talk about, definitely submit them there. And don't forget to check out the Friendly Files on Thursday. We'll be recapping the episode and posing a Q&A. Sick. Cool. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.